Welcome to Beltaloda, the officially unofficial podcast for The Expanse on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 9, titled Winnipesaukee. That's how I'm saying it. I know you <laughs> New Hampshire, New Hampshireites, that's what they're called, are going to be upset with me because it's probably Winnipesaukee or something, I don't know. It's, so I don't know, you'd have to go back and ask the Abenaki people of uh, North America, because that's their word. Okay. Did you, did you look at the history of the the meaning of the word? No. Smile of the Great Spirit, or another translation read, uh, beautiful water in high places. So it's a good thing it's high places, because it had been swamped with tidal waves. Mm-hmm. That... So I, I mentioned in the last episode that like I looked up this island that, that she was talking about and it didn't exist in New Island or in New New Hampshire or wherever she was talking about it. It turns out I think she was talking about an island in this lake because this lake also hosts hundreds of islands. Gotcha. Um, so it's it's a it's a large lake, largest lake in the state. Now, New Hampshire, one of the smallest states in the union. But um, but yeah, that's that's what they were. That that that's it wasn't an artificial man-made island. It's an in- inland lake island. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, so what do you think of this episode of Winnipesaukee? Uh, I spent so much time looking into the meaning of the name that I actually haven't thought about it. Uh, hmm. I so um, they doubled down on me not knowing what the fuck Naomi's doing this this episode. And I didn't have any like uh, <laughs> I was waiting in the credit sequence for her as she's banging on stuff being like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this kind of Mark Watney shit and you'll appreciate it next episode. But I didn't get it. Uh, so that was kind of um, weird. But the Amos stuff is really great. And I've said some things critical about like how I said, you know, Maybe they pulled back on this stunt sequence because they ran out of budget, whatever. I, maybe they spent it all in this episode because you got like a five minute running gun battle at the end that I thought was 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 pretty well executed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm I'm not sure what they're doing with Clarissa Mal and her like tribe approach, because it seems like it's self-evidently wrong, even in this episode, or maybe she's taking it too far. but. Maybe that's something they're doing with her and Amos and, you know, Amos needing someone holding his leash and he's only as good as the person that does it. I, I, what did you think about all that? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. The, the, the thing about The Expanse is they're, they typically go pretty realistic with this stuff. And so you don't just have these cut and dry sort of moral of the week, right? This isn't, this isn't some CBS afternoon special or whatever. Right. Um, so they're going to have a lot of complex dynamics at play. Uh, and one of those things that we've seen recently is about the monsters, right? Is, is Amos a monster? Well, Claire defines him as a monster. He, he might start defining himself as a monster. He needs to get back to Holden and his ship because they keep him uh, monster free. It's, yeah, there's a big question. Like, can you expand the tribe? Is everyone, uh, does that rule apply to everyone about expanding the tribe? Is it... Is it that sometimes you need to protect the tribe? There are a lot of complex dynamics at play, and I think that's what makes the show so interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. Lesser shows might just say, hey, we need to expand the tribe and then prove that point over and over and over again, whereas Expanse will maybe disprove it a couple times along the way. Yeah, this this butler is actually Alfred, and he's been trained by Batman to be a, a combat medic or whatever. I, I, but I, I will say that the first time I saw this episode, I was like, good God, 
peaches. You are so up your ass. This is stupid. Self-evidently stupid. The second time I watched it, I'm like, I'm still I still think ultimately she's wrong in this situation. Mm -hmm. But in like a philosophical sense of like, man, if you could do civilization over, maybe we could do X, Y, Z. It it makes a lot of sense. Um, And that's the thing. Like I said, in the moment. Yeah, you might you might not be able to do that. But if you had rewound, you know, maybe even a year here. Right. And brought these people into your tribe earlier, um, started like not creating the adversarial uh, sort of uh, atmosphere that's that's going on right now, then, yeah, you could have absolutely prevented this particular scenario. Yeah, and, you know, also, like, is it ever too late or is it ever too early to start uh, right. trying to do things different? And, like, if we are a tribe of two, that's, like, literally, you know, if you, there's no such thing as a tribe of one. So, like, that's the smallest you can get a tribe. Like, maybe... I, like I said, it's 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 an interesting argument and um, the action of the show like the it, it's 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 like idealism meets pragmatism in in like a 45 minute passion play here. Yeah. Um, and and I like it, like I said, it was it was it was an interesting thing to think about as I was sitting watching on the second and I even fired it up for a third attempt while I was like, um you know, doing some research and, and looking through notes and stuff um, and just kind of like, huh, I want, you know, yeah, it's like I said, I, I think I would have blown those rent-a-cops away, those four rent-a-cops away and saved a lot of people's lives. Um, but I don't know. Like, like I said, I, I, I wondered, like, I think the opposite of, okay, the opposite of crazy is still crazy. I mm-hmm. think like completely turning and being like, well, you know, I've just so, so many people have died senselessly. We shouldn't just kill people with no reason. I, I would I guess those guys were giving you reasons, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I I also uh, feel you when you say that, you know, they double down, they, they single down here on me not knowing what the hell Naomi is doing, because I don't remember anything uh, from Naomi's story between like when she sends that transmission and when uh, some other stuff happens. So I. I can't remember if she does this in the book. And so I'm mm. kind of like, what the hell is she up to? What's she going to do with water? And that's it. Just water. Like that's all she's got here. I, it's, it's, I don't know it's what she can water do. Plus it's, it feels like one of these old Lucas arts games where it's like, yeah. I've got drips of water and an inner hole and a wrench to bang on things. What combination of this will, will unlock the next level. I, I don't know. Um, and you just keep trying things until it works. We can speculate at the end. Um, so we'll we'll see. Uh, I as as of the time of this recording, we have not got access to the finale episode. It's it's the one thing that they've withheld us on the screeners. So uh, we might have yeah. to f- wait to find out in real time with with the rest of the world on this one. But yeah, I mm-hmm. I was like, well, I I don't I don't know, but I, I want to see the next episode immediately. Yeah, and I I feel. Uh, vindicated i don't know something about uh pastor when i'm like you know he gave that speech a little too fervently he slipped into that gear a little too easily i thought that he was pushing back against delgado pretty hard last episode but then he just goes along with everything he wanted um including launching an attack on palace which is like the home base ish of marco right if he has a home base that's it so like and then they wanted to yeah, attack you, Ceres. That's, in my opinion, a step too far. I don't know. 
Now you 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 felt like you were vindicated. I was reverse unvindicated because I I really like Pastor. I thought they were I thought they could build him into a, an interesting little uh a character that doesn't. But he does seem like he's the anti President Rosalind, where yeah. Rosalind goes in there and just starts like backhanding admirals and and kicking fleet commanders in the nuts and being like, you will respect the Department of Education. Where this guy is just like rolling over, wetting himself and doing whatever the Admiral say. And to be fair, it does seem like the public reaction, like, you know, it's one of those things where he's like a, a first time leader, not comfortable with command. He's got his he got his hands on the dial that says pacifism, bellicose, and he keeps turning it and looking back at the audience like, do you like this? Do you? And yet everyone's cheering as the, the stations are going up in flames. So and I bet they would. I bet 90 percent of people on Earth yeah. in this circumstance would absolutely want for blood. Um, He's just looking it's, at it's the, the wrong audience. Um, it's the leader's responsibility to minimize bloodshed, period. Not give the people exactly what they want, which is lots more of the same. So, I, yeah. It, but yeah, another another interesting. Um, I, I yeah, I, we should probably just start talking about the episode because I'm mm-hmm. going to start like talking in detail about what I like the things about these scenes. If we don't. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, we start out the episode with Marco getting some real bad news, I think, about a fleet action uh, and also even worse, the status of one Naomi Nagata being mm-hmm. dead, which is surprise. She's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they talk about like him losing ships. OK, okay one, one to two, right? They kill two Martian or two UN uh, ships and, and he loses a frigate or whatever. He, he lost five. Oh, so there's five. Golden Bow Raiders, mm-hmm. which I think like the so those aren't his ships. I think those are just like your standard Belter warships, which are not you know super great. Well, they also right? said he that that he lost a frigate, right? No, that there's that that um, they engaged two UNN cruisers and one uh, Martian cru- frigate, and then there's four Golden Bow killed, one UNN cruiser destroyed, and one Martian frigate reportedly lost. So huh. he took out two of the enemy ships, lost four of his, but they're not his. They're his allies. It's and confusing I, I, because the Martians are on both sides of this, right? The Martian ships. Um, they're they, on Marco's side and they're on the inner side. There's a shadow government at some level behind the belt. But yeah. like Mars officially, I don't think, you know, is, is behind it. But of course, that gets confused later uh, by the UNN as well. Well, the, the Belters um, like. The the point is like they can't afford to lose ships, right? The Belters they can't have no ships uh, in effect, right? They don't have warships. Right. They have ice haulers. They have utility ships, um, and they have Marco's fleet, which is substantial, but could not stand toe to toe against probably even half of the the combined Martian and and uh, I mean they they, right. they, they made that point how- early on in the series about like the Martians have the the superior weapons but they don't have the numbers the UN has the numbers that's the only thing keeping them at a standstill so if Martians and- are only giving a fraction of that to Marco he's not going to be able to stand toe to toe with anybody and they said or like two episodes ago an admiral who had full knowledge at this point of what Marco had said that what they just have at the gate is is uh, capable of fending off any conceivable attack 
from Marco's powerful fleet. So I, I think that Marco is like, you know, I, I don't, I mean, that's the thing. Like you've done this, this uh, dashing, daring attack. Like this is kind of like nine 11. Now, what are you going to do with it? Um, and if, if yes. your answer is lead the UN and Martians around the solar system, having them pound civilian targets, getting the belt whipped up, then you're probably doing your, 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 the mission's probably working out pretty good for you. Um, I guess the question but, is what, what, purpose does that serve like is he is he trying to create more human shield scenarios right because like let's say he does whip up the entire belt the belt is super pissed off uh nobody's willing to work for the inners anymore you know how effective is this strategy in getting what he wants and what does he want i guess is he is he trying here to bring about the extinction of the inners period is he trying to simply secure some kind of balance of power here um yeah i mean his stated goal is to essentially interdict the inners onto their own planets like you like the mm -hmm. well gravity well so much you stay in it and then we rule the skies but i i mean it all depends like you know if earth's biosphere collapses which has been discussed um you know, the belt's going to and whatever meager ag agriculture resources they have is going to be real, super fucking important. Mm -hmm. um, and the inner's incentive is to not pound all the civilian populations because that, you know what I mean? It's like there are I can see ways where it's like the inner's can't fully commit to scorched earth because they need that earth. They can't afford to scorch it anymore. Um, so, I, I yeah, I, but that's the thing. I've never understood what is his. Uh, and the fact that uh, maybe the, the, the Earth and Mars can't survive without exploiting the belt at this point. So if you can just like make the entire belt rise up and and, and pitch a fit and, you know, with, withhold their resources from maybe that. that well, but, like, yeah, but what does that look like withholding resources? Because let's not forget the Earthers or the inners, you know, Martians and mm -hmm. Earthers built the belt in the first place. Right. These people used to be Earthers and Martians. Um why couldn't they just, you know, scorch Earth uh, series and Ganymede and all these places that like the Belters currently control? Just remove them from power and replace them with individuals from their I guess it seems It seems like the largest union busting of all time. Like you'd have For to sure. literally, you know, like uh, say if there's like a half million people on series. You, what size of a force would you need to pacify those people and remove them? Mm -hmm. Could you get it there? without them destroying series can you live with the destruction of series like how like you know like earth, if earth has eight i as i saying, i we it's frustrating because i can't accurately quite understand the solar situation here because i don't understand exactly you know how bad is earth off how scared because the the un yeah, yeah. it doesn't seem like they're talking about like oh god we have to figure about how we're going to feed people in 18 months it does seem like they're obsessed and just like well it's it's business as usual let's strike back mm -hmm. so which is strange and also it is strange. It is strange. And it's seeming less and less like we got a true nuclear winter situation and more of we just had us, you know, an, a, enough temporary cloud cover to, to have an unseasonable snow shower. Mm -hmm. um, because, like, you know, we saw the sun shining today uh, in this episode. So, yeah, I, and it's, it's is it already winter before uh, the rocks hit? Because, like, none of the trees wearing... have leaves and yeah, like, you're, you're, you're not, not going right to blow the that. leaves off of a tree with you know, while leaving everything else untouched. Uh, and they're not going to oh, drop off that fast though. from the cold. 
maybe it would if you had like this like you know fire fire cloud you know firestorm oh, sure firestorm raw, raw kinetic energy well you if you look at it it's like some some trees have lost their leaves clearly the ones that aren't evergreens and then the evergreens still have all their needles and stuff so uh, i would think like some kind of crazy firestorm would take the needles off of a tree as well as the leaves yeah so, you're not you're not you're not wrong so, it's, so it's tough right like if it's winter on earth and then the nuclear winter happens what does that mean yeah. how can i tell the I, difference i guess if marco was counting on all like nine or ten rocks hitting and really truly crippling earth where it's like yeah. they can hardly they can't even hardly feed then all he has to worry about is maybe squaring off against mars um i so we know his plan didn't go off the plan so how I, yeah how how worried is he the, the the bottom line is when they the belter gave this battle report the look on his face seemed like, oh, Jesus, we lost that many ships. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? It was worth it. It was worth the cost. Because what else is he going to say? He's going right. to fucking oh, go full on to like Back Hitler in the last days of Bunker screaming. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, like, I, yeah, like, is, is he going to go full on downfall at this stage? But uh, he's trying to keep it. But, but I think that's what we're supposed to understand about this scene, that yeah. these losses are more than he can sustain for objectives that probably aren't worth this kind of losses. Um, and yet he keeps that, uh, you know, the face of a winner, right? He's he tries until to he starts pounding this. the table in frustration. But that's the Naomi yeah. brought it, that out of him, so. right? As she always does. <laughs> uh, so Alex and Bobby aboard the screaming uh, Firehawk, and also Holden Bull and Monica simultaneously are debating the meaning of this uh, strange signal they've got from the chain smoker. This odd comms malfunction that has changed Naomi's distress message into one of empowerment and control. Um, and what, 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 what can they do about it? Yeah. What to make of it, what to do about it. Uh, I don't know that I have a ton to say about that. Like they're kind of just piecing together the things we already know. So, and it's, yeah, it's a good scene of, of smart people trying to work through a problem. I'm surprised yeah. that no one, the only thing that I wish is somebody, maybe someone that like, like bull or Monica, that would be more skeptical, probably bull like, Hey, what if this is a trap? You know, like because the proximity sensors and bombs and stuff, that's got to be like a belter tactic 101. It's like an, ex- mm-hmm. you know, IED yeah. um, leaving an abandoned vehicle when someone come, you know, make a call on it. When someone comes investigate, blow them up like no one. I, I wish someone would put in that. And, and but then I guess that the jig would be up. And I'm starting to think that there's a lot of maybe things that you shouldn't think about on this plot or the jig would be up uh, going back to some of my complaints of last episode. But uh, I, like I said, I think they're, they're doing the best they can here. Yeah. The thing I like about this scene is that they are now on the Holden train to the Chet Smoka, right? Like <laughs> the, the thing they're realizing here is they're not getting off this ride until they figure out what's up with Naomi. Um, there's, you know, that look from Holden bulls like, Oh, I'm not sure I've, we're running pretty low on fuel. Uh, and then Holden just looks at him, just glowers at him, and he's like, "I'll see if I can do something about that." Is there? Do you think there's a time where they will kind of like you know, Twenty Fifth Amendment Holden, and be like, "Look, there are twenty people on board this Maybe. thing. Nineteen of us have no personal connection to Naomi and hold our lives dear. What mm-hmm. the fuck? I get this is your ship, but you know, no, we are not going along with this. What are you going to do? Draw a gun and, and, and kill us all for it? And you, what are you going to do when Naomi finds out you? I, they, they, yeah. they, 
all Holden's got over these guys is their goodwill and shared purpose. Mm -hmm. And he's losing both. So I wonder if there might be like a soft mutant, not not like a, I hate you. and We're going to throw it to airlock mutiny, but kind of like, Hey Jim, we're not doing this anymore. Mutiny next episode. Yeah. Uh, Which might ironically save them all. Could be. Um, but yeah, the, the thing that's frustrating is like, well, there's no way to know where we can until we get there. Let's get there as fast as possible. So it's like Naomi uh, probably wishes they would, you know, uh, conserve your fuel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Naomi tries to harvest some frost from the, the chain smokers inner hull uh, because she's slowly dying of thirst and rapidly dying of her friend's love for her. Uh, what you going to do, Jim? I don't, I don't know. Just. It, it seemed weird to me that she would be like on her way back as she's panting and gasping for air, uh, for oxygen. She notices she gets distracted by the ice on the wall and she's like, Ooh, that looks tasty. She's like standing there, scraping it off, dying, like d- dying as she's doing it. All you got to do is step out into the ship for a second to get some air yeah. back into your suit and come back for the water. Naomi, like I get yeah, it. You've been yeah, out yeah. here a lot, but it's not worth dying over. Yeah, especially since it's like as as ex, as much exhaustion and exertion she's going through, it's like man, she's got to be squirting out more than that few drops of water in sweat. But too. thirst is a paradoxical son of a bitch. You know, you'll get <laughs> to a point where you're so thirsty you drink seawater, even knowing that it's going to yeah. kill you just because you can't fucking stand it no more. Um, however, it's like and, and I, as I was watching this for multiple episodes or multiple times through the second time, I'm, I remember leaning forward and be like, I'm going to pay attention to everything and I, I'm going to figure out what she's doing. And she looks up and she sees this like bare patch of wire on one of these tamper resistant or remote control things. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, that that bare strip of wire. OK, you got to remember that. No, nah, it doesn't matter. It's, she's just going to use it to rig and to, to, to tap into her helmet to sensors and stuff. I, I still I could figure out what she's doing by the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, Same here. Amos Peaches and company stealthily approach a mansion on the island estate neighborhood community under cover of darkness. Uh, they're, they're, we we kind of do this kind of flyover where we see the layout of the neighborhood and we end up uh, keying on a particular garage, a space garage, it turns out. Hmm. I can't remember if the name of this ship is the same in the books. I'm pretty sure it's not. If I had to guess, the, the name of the ship in the book is something penis related because that's what the Corys like to do. Really? Uh, God. The penis contorters? Right. The penis contorters, the, uh, the racing penis. It's all, <laughs> it's all penises to them. And to be fair, like ships are pretty phallically shaped. Uh, it would be funny if Tan, Ty and or Dan's penis was tattooed like the Razorback. You know, that, that <laughs> dot the, pattern, the history of flight. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Of one side of it. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. They, they, I think they mentioned something on their podcast about showing that at the, the season finale. So we'll get to see really? it. Really? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you look up this uh, ship name? Because I tried I to and I couldn't find much. So Ravetta Bowers is a is an old lady alive right now. I think she's in her mid seventies. Uh, she has served. She serves an important function in the uh, a California school system. Mm-hmm. Particularly, she was the head of schools in Los Angeles for over forty years. She's recently retired. And she sits on a lot of boards. Some for Walt Disney. Some for Blizzard and Activision. Uh, so she's like cashing in on a lifetime of civil service. I don't know whether this is someone who is a good friend of Danner ties or someone in the production or uh, it's someone that they think has done a lot for their community. But like, 
I don't know. Like, it's possible this lady is uh, is is famous in the 24th century for some kind of education. This is some kind of charity work that they're involved in. But like, that's what I found out about her. Yeah. Um. So we obviously record these podcasts in advance um, before the podcast that you know, uh, West Chatham and and some of the authors Time, and actors guy. and and yeah th- mm-hmm. that they do. So. I'm hoping that by the time, you know, this is out, they'll actually have some information about that um, in their podcast, because I would like to know. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I did like the comedy that they play, like, you know, these it's it's funny that these the, the butler and the chef and the maid hide in the garage because they think surely the people are there to ransack the house. And that's the exact opposite. And then they recognize Clarissa and they start like doing the chit chat stuff and eric's like cut the shit you know like we'll have time for the tearful unions later i some of that stuff that happens throughout the episode i thought um what was pretty funny yeah amos's um, they, line about depends on what you're trying to steal you know when they're talking about where the thieves would go yeah and uh the fact that you know, they established the fact that the ship hasn't flown in two years which sets up a little you know mini conundrum um yeah, I thought it was good. Also, I thought the the Rivetta Bowers is a damn fine looking ship, and they they really nail that very peculiar kind of luxury yacht look, you mm-hmm. know, where it's all kind of like polished chrome and velour, mm-hmm. and it's not like any kind of recognizable re- residential design or even naval design. It's just some kind of weird like this is mid mid level luxury yacht detailing. And I fully buy because that's it hasn't changed much like from the 70s to t- today. You know, it's 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 all kind of like the same kind of deal, maybe uglier pastels and maybe more basic colors. But mm, like the the, the actual look. Pink. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I thought I thought the inside. Yep. This looks this looks exactly like a rich person's moon dinghy. Yep. Well, it looks a lot like um the, the Mal's personal ship, right? That we saw in like season three. Very same aesthetics. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, when Avasrala and and Cotillard, Bob- Cortazar, which whichever <laughs> one that is, too, when Bobby was two fist in the cucumber sam- sandwiches, uh huh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Back when we were on that ship, it looks a lot like that. So yeah, it's mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. it's all of a piece. Uh, so the UN strikes back at the palace station like they were threatening to last episode. <sighs> Uh, causing people on Luna to cheer, but Avasarala to flip her shit on Admiral Delgado and resign her position in in disgust on the UN cabinet. Yeah, um, and that inspires some of the others to resign as well on the spot. Uh, wow. Yeah, this took a turn, man. I thought that this pastor guy was going to hear all sides and come down on the school teacher side, which is probably uh you know compassion maybe understanding the emotion of the situation no no he's going full on war um with potentially even mars i think they talked about how callisto is like a martian installation if they hit that they might start a war with the rest of mars this right. is and the Admiral's like, it doesn't matter. They're already complicit. Fuck them, you know. But how will the Martians feel? And, and this this line that sure. they're that he gives about like we can't let emotion make this decision is the exact. It, it makes them. It makes the decisions for you whether you want it to or not. Emotion is the factor at play here, and that is exactly the point that Avasarila is trying to make. 
when she talks about how this is going to unite the Belters, and you're talking now about uniting Mars against them if they go no ahead with this detected. Callisto attack. What the hell? That is a naked appeal to listen to another set of emotions. Like they're saying, "Oh, yes. you're too, you're too empathetic and sympathetic, and you're having too, you're, you're, you're soft." But we have to listen to the angry bellicose emotions. Like truly and, taking the emotions and, out of the equations would probably be a good, good idea. But that's not what right. they're arguing for. And well, they're arguing never for what they're arguing for their own emotions, overriding the emotions right. of the belters when they get attacked. Right? Like, right. That's the thing, and that's always been the view of the UN, right? It's UN centric. It's it's inner centric, Earther centric. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck the belt, and and they're falling right back into that old pattern, which is exactly why we're in this situation in the first place. And I, the fact that Avasarla is the only one who really sees that, or or at least voices it in this moment, is kind of scary because I thought this pastor guy was better. Yeah, and, and to be fair, half of the cabinet takes off with her, yeah. um, which I thought was interesting. But like what you're, what you're saying is right. Like Avasaral is saying, uh, you know, when she's like, you know, we can't attack these civilian targets. It's like, oh, like Marco did to us. And she's like, what is he our fucking role model now? Oh, are, <laughs> right. we, t- are we just following the terrorist playbook? Is that like that's such a great I thought that was such a great response. Yeah. Um, and, you know, her saying that, like, hey, in a real politic way, this isn't, you know, Marco wants the belt to be united behind him. But the reality is he's not. There's there's factions that we could work with that they saw an alternative versus because that's, you know, if like um, if if drummer suggested, hey, we run to the U.N. and tell them we're on their side, that we've had enough, you know, um, like Michael Rooker in, in Tombstone <laughs> to <laughs> sure. bring in a reference we just talked about, like, Throw you know, the red like, sash I, out. I, I yeah. used I used to be a cowboy, but no more of this red sash stuff. I saw what they did to your station. Um, I saw what they did with the asteroids. Like if 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 that was an option that they actually believed would work, I 100 percent think that the drummer's crew starts burnt and making a hard burn towards Earth and Mars. Right. Yeah. Um, but both, you know, quote unquote, both sides are are ramping up the tensions. The worst impulses of both sides are, are ruling the day so far. And I also like Avastarala admitting that, like, look, I get it. Like, you know, we've been wondering about Arjun. She's fully, you know, she's fully now accepting this episode's about her accepting yeah. uh, Arjun's death. Um, she's like, look, I, I want to take this bastard and throw him up on the hooks and watch. Like, I kind of like too far for my taste. Like, I would love to get his family in there, watch him take his dying gasps as I cackle in delight over. Like, she goes into really dark places and be like, but, you know, that's not what we're supposed to be doing here. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be doing what's actually going to keep people safe and, and ratchet these tensions down. Um, they also and, and, you know, this like her basic math. This is something that like even the U.S. Army's own counterterrorist manual points out that these heavy handed responses take you ever for every one partisan you kill, you make 10 more. Yeah, that's bad math when you're fighting an insert, you know, counterinsurgency. Unless you just want to kill them all, like which yeah. seems to be the playbook that Del, Delgado is on. Right. Like especially was, he just yeah, wants to genocide these people at this point. They, they want to hit series the largest. <laughs> Yeah. Place in the belt, the largest population center, uh, which is Anderson Dawes's home base. Mm-hmm. And they completely misread like Anderson Dawes is not going to go against Marco because almost no belter will. He's got mm-hmm. that big Navy. But Anderson Dawes does not like Marco. No. You know, he he thinks he's doing, you know, so it's if nothing else, it's competition to his power and ambition. Mm-hmm. And you can exploit that. I it was it's a frustrating scene, but um, it is. 
it reminded me of our conversation that you know the uh the silver lead conversation we had uh yeah. last week it's like you know i don't and i don't and i don't really judge too harshly beat cops that like street toughs roll up with a gun to their head but these type of professional politicians it's orders of magnitude less brave and courageous for them to take these moral stands and and you like to see it not only when they when they take the moral stand but when they come out guns blazing about it too and Mm -hmm. i think that they did what they could do which is like you know what i like what naomi said all i can do is walk away from the situation and they do and it kind of inspires a soft revolution here yeah no, by the by the end of the episode, I'm definitely like, okay, things are back under control. You know, the the pot has stopped boiling; it's not going to boil over. Um, yeah. At least for the moment, we'll see how Avasarla handles it. But because I would buy that, like, also she's going to be put in some situations where she's going to maybe have to get her pans bloody. You know, uh, yeah, because some some people will need to die almost assuredly to wrap this thing up. Um, Meanwhile, over aboard the the drummer's faction fleet, uh, Carol, a Carol, uh, threatens Oxanya. That's uh, that's uh, drummer's EXO. Unless she tows Marco's line and obeys all or- orders given to her, she's really name it. She's really really nervous about the drummer's infamous anger here. Yeah, um, I was pretty sure that by the end of this episode, we were going to see, you know, Oxana tell drummer about the situation. Of course she does. Um, yeah, I just I wonder how long, uh, you know, there's more to talk about this other scenes, uh, but I wonder how long the piece will be kept here on drummership. Especially, Especially now that she knows uh, Corral seems to be doing everything she can to divide the crew. Like, look at the crew's faces when they're ordered off the bridge so they can have a, a, a private conversation. This is no longer a family. This this <laughs> right. obviously reads a suspect to all of them. But now it's like. You know, she's she's keeping secrets between the two, which she knows is going to divide them. And this crew being divided suits her purposes because, you know, mm-hmm. um, if they're all united against her, they could just throw out an airlock and do whatever the fuck they want. Um, and I I think, you know, I'm like, I, I obviously Corral is no fool, as drummer later asserts. Um, but I do think she doesn't play. She she doesn't really play this as, as smart as she could. Um yeah, hmm. it does seem like she presses her advantage uh, way, way too often. Yeah, um, I I noticed this thing like and Tony Soprano. I've been watching Sopranos in my free time and I'm on season two where he's trying to consolidate power from his, his uncle junior uh, uncle June. And he's like just a real shit to all of his uncle's former lieutenants, like berates him and calls him names and stuff. And I'm like. I mean, I get it. He's a he's <laughs> he's a he's a New Jersey gangster, right? But the whole mm-hmm. time, I'm like, this isn't good politics, man. You should like maybe try to like treat them as your dudes now, and yeah. they're gonna be really like maybe resistant to that. But like, if you treat him because Uncle June was kind of an idiot, and it was just tough working under him. Um, you got you. I don't know. Maybe play a little bit of a softer touch, but uh, I don't know. Maybe gangsters. Maybe that's one of the problems with gangsters. Uh, they just don't have the capacity for a light touch. <laughs> yeah yeah the only problem with gangsters of course uh yeah no i you're you're right she definitely does um come in here stomping around breaking things but you know when somebody feels that they're untouchable like a tony soprano or like a corral in this situation this the second officer or something of of the, mm-hmm. the leader of the free navy like 
she probably right. thinks she's got a pretty strong shield here from the consequences of any descent or, or any, uh, you know, chaos she's sowing. I'm yeah. not so sure about that. Um, and none of this is happening in the books. So I, oh, I'm up in the air on this, but I really don't think she's long for this world. I, I feel like mm. drummer, you know, she has her gun taken from her. I think that's an indicator of where things are going. Right. Right. Um, and I, I felt really bad for Oksanya being put in this position, too, because like there's really nothing she can do. Like if she openly resists, then, you know, like if you don't follow your orders, you'll be a foe of Marco, which you guys just decided two episodes ago wasn't what you wanted to be because you'd be spaced. Someone else would be picking. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're, so your time is to bide your time and wait for something to change the equation. That's all you can do. Like once you make the decision to take the deal to devil, then you wait until you can renege on the devil. Mm-hmm. But if nothing's changed in the calculus, then when it, it's it's tough. And then when things start changing, which is what we might be seeing towards the end of this episode and, and, and ongoing episodes, like when is, you know, when is it premature? When is it ripe? When are you kind of being a coward? Like, I, I think it's all interesting. And, and the, the really interesting thing is no one arrives at those points at the same time. And we've yeah. got like a tight knit crew like that can destabilize things. And they're just doing such a great job at these dynamics. Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating to watch. Yes, I'm comparing it to The Sopranos, which is one of the best television shows of all time. Uh, Amos and Company uh, are dining in style. Crystal uh, drinkware. Gold uh, rimmed glasses. Gold rimmed, gold rimmed china. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just uh, like pheasant and duck. And they're just, just just having a Game of Thrones style feast, only with much better <laughs> flatware. Uh, when their party is interrupted by a crowd of worried seasonal workers outside asking for help. Yeah, Amos has probably never had a meal like this. Uh, probably never eaten off dishes like this. Probably never been served a meal. Almost certainly, if you're talking about like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking like maybe Eric has, right? Because he's the king of Baltimore or whatever. But like right. Amos left before all that happened. So, and he's been out on... Pfft, ice haulers and just out in the verse for a yeah, long even a, time. Even a brothel on series isn't going to, you know, with, no. with, with uh, the, at the high roller table isn't going to give you this kind of service. Yeah. Hell no. Uh, so yeah, this is probably a unique experience for him, which is cool. Uh, but also weird. I'm sure. Especially like mm-hmm. as the earth goes to hell around you to have this meal <laughs> served to you on <laughs> literal silver platters. It's yeah, it's crazy. I bet it feels kind of like a last meal because that's kind yeah. of their situation. If they, you know, they came here, they used up as much as their batteries as they could of the helicopter. And, mm-hmm. you know, what are they going to, what are they going to do if, if they can't get the ship working? Um, so. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, these people roll up to the gates, I, or the, the gate, whatever here, it, I just love Eric telling this old lady to fuck off mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a lot of foul language, a lot of fucks in this episode. Um, a lot of them coming from Eric. He's got a foul mouth. He, he's such a pissy little dick about everything. I, too. I love it. You know, I do too. It's like, he's just got no fucks, no patience. Like he's the, he, he is a gangster. He's not trying to be, uh-huh. he's not trying to, to pass off as a good person. So, um, he also comes this, across as a little bit of like, sort of a, uh, I forget what the term is, but it, like he puffs himself up to look bigger than he is a lot of the time. And you can see yeah. there's this dynamic between him and Timothy, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
where Amos is always kind of taking the lead and he's always sort of deferring to him. You get the impression that when they were growing up, that might have been the situation too. And that even though he's this powerful guy within Baltimore, um, that dynamic comes back into play when they get in each other's proximity. I think Amos is the big brother in this relationship. And there's always that kind of energy that that is brought to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I started to think I, there's a couple of things. I, I really like the comedy here with, uh, you know, Eric's like soberly assessing the battery situation with the freeze and like the butler's like, yeah, we're also almost out of food. And then there's this like long pause. He's like, oh, but but uh, you're welcome to as much as you'd like. It's uh-huh. <laughs> passive aggressive, like you're eating all of our food, you assholes. Um also, and the butler, I like, the, like I can imagine the butler trying to say that to Mao or somebody, right? Like, oh, we're, yeah. we're almost out of food, like trying to limit their their mm-hmm. consumption, consumption, their gluttony yeah. in any way. It's like this guy stepped out of line if he's talking to Mao and he thinks he stepped out of line here talking to Amos. But like he's probably like if you tell Amos we're almost out of food, he's going to start rationing. He's going to start you know, making a survival go of it. But this yeah. guy instinctively reacts as if he said something wrong that he's going to be fired for or punished for. I kind of wish he would. He, I, I kind of wish the Butler was played a little bit more like, like uh, Mr. Carson from Downton Abbey. Like just like he has zero power, but he's still going to just make a big stink and he's going to raise his eyebrow at everything. And he's going to make it very clear that like, you're welcome to as much of this food, you unwashed caveman. Yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm not approving of any of this stuff. Like it'd be funnier if they if he played him with a little bit more like lack of class consciousness there. Um, what do you think? I also really like the appreciation of like you know it has to be mechanical, electrical, or software. It reminds me of my dad and I working on small engines. He's trying to he's like it's got to be it's got to be fuel, spark, or air. Like yeah. and so and it's you know be if you anything. don't. <laughs> that's exactly that's what's but you know it's funny as the older i get i'm like jesus christ dad dude he's talking about like maybe not in fuel yeah. injectors and shit like that but back in the old days like yeah you start taking shit apart and thinking knowing what thing provides what and like oh well this is dirty and it probably shouldn't be this thing's sticking when it should slide like and i feel like that kind of helped me figure out amos doing the same thing on this fusion reactor just like running through all the different possibilities oh, and they yeah, you know, he's the mechanical, right? And Julie was the electric. I mean, and and it turns out uh, Eric here is an ace hacker because probably mm-hmm. that makes sense. Of course, he is in the twenty fourth century. It it's a nice little A team kind of that they got going. Yeah, and so much of what they're saying here makes sense, right? Like narrowing down the problem to you know what seems to anybody else like oh, so it's it could be literally anything. Well, no, that's his way of like saying I'm thinking through the problem here. And then what they say later, uh, as as a former web developer, I instinctively, I deeply understand what Amos says later. Like, sometimes you got to stop thinking about the problem to figure it out. A hundred percent. You got to step away. You get too close to a thing and you get blinded by being too close to it. Just give your give your brain some time off. Let it kind of percolate and it will figure this thing out. About these people gathered outside, like in I. So I'm sympathetic to wanting to take these people with you. Uh-huh. However, Julie's like, yeah, it'd be crowded. But it's a short trip. Like, hey, this isn't packing everybody into the minivan for a trip down to like the fucking mall. OK, yeah. like. Or I guess it is like at highway speeds. Why is that a bad idea? You don't have enough seatbelts to go around. You don't have enough crash couches. You don't have enough like in this like, case, oxygen, might, right? Like, yeah, it, it you, potentially. Yeah. 
you might pulp. I mean, yeah, you might pulp the old man when you have a sudden mm-hmm. deceleration or something. And he goes flying around the cabin or, yeah, you might burn up all the oxygen. It's not just lift and Delta V. I don't know. I'm like, there is a limit to how many people you can fit on this ship. And maybe yep. she since she's got extensive penis penis racing, mm-hmm. she's got extensive penis racing experience that she knows a little bit more about, like what these ships are capable of. But. Was she, Again, was, she, was she the penis racer? I thought Julie was a penis no, racer. But but she she know I think you're supposed to understand that she like also did her it. and Julie probably we were very good at it, but like Julie got all of the you know, because she was better. Okay. So she yeah. got the, the the team and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, she's she's taking gotcha. a, a she's taking a yacht to the moon and back for sure. There's no way. Yeah, I'm just wondering like how have they clued us much into Claire um, and this the way like she lived her life other than just being angry at her father and her sister all the time like I get that I mean she was always like playing I mean they, they said she seemed like she was in charge of, like planning all the parties and doing all the social engagements because Julie had like zero so, like you know she was more of the, yeah. the horse girl in the, the family yeah she was out but, racing uh, wearing the motorcycle jackets sure yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, but she also she threatens to withhold her help. I guess that's like the Trump card. Like they need her electrical expertise expertise to like run this thing down. So mm-hmm. also Amos is looking for an emotional guidance system, you know, like a moral guidance system. So that will be I think that's the the this is understandable. In the next scene we're going to talk about, I'm a little bit a little more anti, but like it makes sense in terms of Amos. We'll talk about it. So. Uh, Marco gives the order to Drummer's fleet to hunt down and destroy the Rocinante because it's going to be a real eternal landmark of cultural significance. Rah, rah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is this where the guns come out li- literally out of Drummer's pocket into the hands of Oksana? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's a great it's a great emotional pincher move. I've had it used on me and I've used it on people before. Like if someone's like going to cause a problem and say, hey, you know, give me your, you've been drinking. Give me your keys. And if they're like, I'm not going to drive like, well, then you should have your problem. giving me the keys. You know, yeah. like it's it's <laughs> it's like, yeah, if a person like, you know, it'd be one thing if you're a dick and you're always accusing someone of doing something. They're like, fine, take my fucking keys. And like, you know, you, you overplay, but like, yeah, if, if a person asks you to give up something that you're saying, it's not going to be a problem and you don't, <laughs> I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of saying it's going to be a problem. Right. And I, I think drummer. Yeah. The Carrie, Carrie G is such a great character. G G um, mm-hmm. that she like plays that emotional conflict, like, you know, doing the like, okay, she's fucking got me. Here's my gun. Um, right. And again, they're, 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 they just do the personal politics here of like drummers, a smart person trying to figure out like orders of people that she knows, again, are many things, but not fools and knowing that something's not adding up. Meanwhile, on Luna, Avasaral puts up a hollow plaque to Arjun's memory. I'm going to pretend it's old Arjun. The yeah. new Arjun was never a thing. We're never going to use it's it's this is this is the memory of old Arjun. She's she's setting a candle to mm-hmm. before she gets emergency drafted back into politics yeah the the highest office too um apparently yeah i i was i man it seems quick to do a no confidence vote on this dude like i get it half your cabinet resigned or whatever half your your war committee but like (laughs) in like a single day i mean you go from inspiring all of humanity with a speech to out of office in like a day a day this guy was uh secretary general so wild 
Yeah, politics moves fast, I guess. Did they do any or any of these politics in the books? No, none, uh, of, none like, of this. Oh, our Avasarla is a minor character in the books. Uh, huh, people okay. who didn't know, like she's barely in the books. Yeah, I like how when the Admiral comes to her, she like briefly says, uh, this is a coup. You'll never get away with it. And the Admiral's like, what? No, what? No, I'm, I'm here because the council asked me to. And they thought I would be a politically neutral person to ask the question. Yeah, because <laughs> I was I thought like there was going to be. Yeah, this is this like moral and ethical dilemma of like, well, this is what she wants, but you know, not like this, not like this. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, it, really zero friction to getting this guy out of office, just gone. Yeah, yeah, and we see we go over to bounce over to Delgado's quarters, and he's packing up because he thinks, well, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Avasaral essentially insults him by saying, "You're too old to lead a strike group. Come on, what the fuck?" Um, and I was also so. The good guys think that the bad that that the the Marcos faction still thinks that he has a proto molecule, because uh, that's what Avasarala asserts here. Is that because James Holden is kind of keeping some of this stuff a little close to his vest for some reason? And why? Why would he not immediately report back to Bobby slash Avasarala that the proto molecule has been neutralized? What purpose does yeah. that serve him? Or is this just like, you know, the communication just hasn't just hasn't caught up to everybody yet. Wow. Is it really the case that you can oust the secretary general faster than you can communicate something to Earth from the belt? It, I mean, Holy it shit. might literally be true. It's like a se- isn't a several hour delay for light to go from Earth to Mars. It, probably. I, I just wow. Several hours is all it takes to oust the secretary general. Huh? Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I guess if half the cabinet leaves and the other half like, you know, because it on in Earth, 25th Amendment, we talked about it. Sure. You only need it like half the cabinet to, to go along with it. And it's kind of instantaneous at once once it happens. So, um, I mean, there's there's a lot more to it. Like, but but for these purposes, I think it could happen pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, she also raises the threat of asteroids, which. I guess I had thought was completely off the table now once they got the watchtower working with the the Sentinel system. But Mm -hmm. like she thinks it's still, you know, I've been kind of dismissing those things when people have asked some feedback. But the Avastral herself could be she's just twisting his arm. That's the other thing could be that she's just like throwing putting up a butt of what ifs to to scare him into compliance here. But um, yeah, then we got the long awaited punchline to the joke. And boy, this joke, this joke, uh, I, I don't know if it ever used to be funny. Is it, is it a joke? Hmm. I guess he was technically it, it qualifies as a joke, but it was not funny. Yeah, I think it, I think it's like in other times where it's kind of a joke that like, ah, these people, yeah. ha, ha, these we deprive them so much belters. of all their stuff as shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like maybe it would it it's it's a funny joke and it's structured as such. Um but it's only funny if you don't really examine it. Um, yeah, it's only so, funny if you have uh callous disregard for an entire yeah. portion of humanity. <laughs> yeah. Uh we get another of those six shots of one tenth gravity uh, 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 alcohol pouring. I always uh-huh. get the. I always like that when they get the CGI out just to fill some, some bottles and some glasses. Moon booze. Hell yeah. Moon booze. <laughs> Drinking some tenth G moon booze. Oh boy, you can taste 
you can taste the the difference in gravity. I wonder if <laughs> I bet there's places the that do. <laughs> I bet I bet there's places that like advertise like that that uniquely peaty taste you can only get from lunar regolith. Oh, uh, God, I would not want my booze anywhere near regolith. Can you imagine like the mouthfeel of a regolith infused booze? No, yeah, because isn't the, the whole the whole idea that like on the moon, everything's very sharp and like yeah. asbestos glass. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It tastes like cancer. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> my teeth used to have enamel. It tastes like colorectal cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Amos activates or Amos's uh, activities repairing the shuttle rather are interrupted once again by outside forces uh, instead of uh, butlers and scullery maids. This time it's armed private security goons attempting to do a little robin and stealing of their own. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. What a confrontation. What do you think, Jim? Uh, I- I'm with you. I'm with you, Claire, or I'm with you, Peaches. Um. What she's saying makes sense, right? Maybe it's not the the time and the place here and now, but like when is, if not now, when, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere and yeah, it comes back to bite them immediately, but also you gotta, you gotta create a path forward that doesn't just involve violence. And like, that's, that's kind of like the theme of this entire episode, right? Is like that inclusion of the tribe uh, you know, even against like the idea that this could come back, um, and and bite you, uh, some some kind of perceived like weakness or or the kindness that you're going to show to people could be exploited. It, you know, when when do you start? When is the when is the perfect time to start? And if you wait for that perfect time, you're going to miss so many other windows where you could have started. Uh, and then that and That's things are going to get question. so much worse until then. Here's what I here here's my analysis. Like Amos, because at first I'm like, why is Amos going along with this? But then I realized Amos's arc is that he doesn't like if he if he fi- feels like someone else is a better person than him, he just defers yep. to their judgments. We've seen it with Naomi, we've seen it with Holden. Like if he respects you, and I think uh, Clarissa has gotten to that point. Peaches has gotten mm-hmm. to that point. Um, however, I think there's a big difference between how you treat people coming to you with their hands out asking for help and how you come to people with our guns drawn wanting to take things from you. Sure. And like there's I don't think that Holden if Holden was the one holding the leash here, the Amos, I don't think that Holden lets these guys. I don't know if he puts holes in their head, but I could see him like once you, you know, got gun superiority over him, like disarming them, tying them up, stuff them in the coat closet and thinking that like, you know what? Their yeah. dudes will be back later. Hopefully we're gone by then. We haven't killed anybody. It's like the middle path. It's the, it's not sure, the opposite sure. of crazy, which is I think what Clarissa is doing. And I wonder if this is also something that like Amos will appreciate, like by learning mm. secondhand is like, you know, and, and also like foresight or hindsight's 2020. And we know absolutely that, 30 plus people die at the end of this episode as a, as, as a partial direct consequence from, from Clarissa's action here. Yeah. But it feels like, yeah, maybe you take him cause they don't want him communicating. Like as soon as they get out of the earshot that there's resistance here, like let wait, wait for wait for them to miss in the report, wait for them to kind of search for them, wait for them to figure out where they're at last. That gives you extra time. Like, Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know whether because like it's it's I, I don't know whether the show realizes this or the show thinks that like Clarissa is just always right because I guess I don't agree with that part of the philosophy. Um, yeah, I think you're I right know. there. There can be a middle path, certainly one that doesn't involve violence, um, but still maintains whatever 
kind of edge doesn't doesn't hand all the cards yeah. over to the enemy right yeah or they the might potential you know yeah there's uh there's ways you could play like you know avasarala i'm trying to think of like how you can misplay you know overtures to the belt like if you just say like you know we're never going to ever strike back against the belt no matter what they do and we're right. just going to flood them with relief actually i don't know like i said that's i I don't think anyone in the history of the world's tried that approach, <laughs> uh-huh. but uh, but yeah, there's there's a difference between, you know, Delgado's like sex, nuts, crazy, bang, bang, pew, pew approach and, you know, utter pacifism. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the show is smart enough to be like kind of illustrating that through this scenario. We'll see. Um, So, you know, Eric's taking my position that it's dumb. Uh, and Amos is saying, well, if it's stupid, then we better redouble our efforts so we can get back and get out of here before they get back. Pretty smart. Uh, meanwhile, over in the drummer faction, drummer demands to be treated like an adult and is shocked to find out Naomi will still be alive or may still be alive and also beside herself that there may be nothing that she can do about it. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a great, great scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like there's this this two way street going on in this scene. Um, it's one of respect from both sides and they both like demand it and earn it in the same scene. Um, it, it, it does, they've done some, a pretty good job sort of connecting the dots between this family on the ship, but it's, it seems like these, which make me really appreciate it. You know, it's one mm-hmm. thing like when they're arguing over whether they should join Marco's faction, um, and do that when they don't really have much of a choice and they're just sort of arguing over, um, it, uh, sort of an inevitability but these scenes where they're like the, there are some emotional stakes right it's not just oh we're gonna die if we do this it's like well i could lie to you here what does that do to our relationship in the future right um yeah yeah no it's, it's a really good scene and from a visual filmmaking standpoint the conceit of the scene is that there's a literal physical barrier between them yeah while there's also an emotional barrier this the secrets and this dishonesty and i i love the way they use that where drummer is like uh you know accusing her of keeping secrets and she's like you know is just is it so unthinkable that if i'm holding something back it's for the greater good and then then continue to like drill into that and uh drummer's like you know why can't you treat me like an adult like this guy killed my mentor my father figure, I said nothing. He killed a woman that I loved and I said nothing. All to keep you safe. Now he asked me to hunt down this woman's best friends and murder them. Mm-hmm. And I'm it's like, you know, how much she, sh- shit do I have to eat before you'll start trust me? And then the barrier opens. Like, you know, literally she steps through and, and levels with her. And then also, like, I liked attention to detail that after all that speech, drummers, as soon as she hears that Naomi's alive, she instantly spins on her heel and is going to set off to the bridge to go rescue her. And Oksana's like, you know, needed a concession from her. It's like, do you love us? Mm-hmm. Like, do our lives matter, too? And they do, which is why drummer is she isn't going to do something crazy. She's going to do something. It feels like I, she has I, to do something. That's the thing. I, and and there, there will be there has to be a change in the arithmetic, the balance yeah. that that she will exploit, because I don't think she's stupid. She's right. going to do and she doesn't want to put her family at stake. But I don't know. There's always this story could go. It could be a story of a person sacrificing one family to save another, their principles, or it could be someone biding their time for the right moment to to take a stand. That's not just a a meaningless moral gesture. There's times and places for that. That's kind of what Avicerala mm-hmm. was doing as she stormed out of the cabinet. That led to a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it also like you know uh if, if you can do it don't make don't throw your life away in meaningful meaningless moral gestures if you can help it so um back at the lake house eric and peaches get to know each other a little bit better which i found entertaining while amos takes a break to take his mind off things the break helps him figure out the problem with the shuttle's reactor, which he's able to fix before all hell breaks loose and consumes the majority of the rest of the episode as the security team comes back with reinforcements. This is a long scene. I, f- I feel like we can just talk about it all. Uh, what do you think? Um, yeah, so this is where I start to lean, you know, towards uh, Claire's side here because she's talking about, um, you, you know, more about like including people in the tribe. Um, and this this tribe of two stuff uh, that they're trying to broaden or she's trying to broaden. And she talks about like the mentality of of keeping people out of the tribe, right? Making people prove to you that they're worth something before you will accept them. Whereas like giving people the space to sort of prove that without the hostility um, might actually be the thing that leads to everyone's benefit uh, i mean that's essentially mm-hmm. the point she's making is like yeah you if if you make them prove it before you ever give them a chance they might never get the chance to prove it that's like th- th- there's this catch-22 sort of thing she's playing at and i'm with her yeah yeah i don't so i and uh i i think that clarissa is right and the only like the only the only thing valid reason you can give to not help a person is that you literally can't. Yeah. You know, like if someone says, I need your heart. Well, I'm my heart still beating my in my chest. And, and if I give it to you, I die. Mm-hmm. Um, like if if someone wants to sacrifice that to find they can't. Uh, but the, you can't compel someone to do that kind of sacrifice. Um, I think the problem comes when you have it's it's and, and and when when you have situations where you don't see that kind of stuff when we're talking about like what you know a lot of people today say we can't help people because we can't afford it and what they really mean yeah. is that we can't afford it without a lot of sacrifices that i don't really want to give up you know and we're not talking about giving heart or blood or anything we're talking about just like material comfort and sacrifices yeah. um and the thing is, is neither side is like right or wrong in like a like a universe, you know, the universe doesn't give a shit whether a person is selfish or, you know, whether they can actually give up stuff. And I guess that's everyone's mm-hmm. like individual line that have to decide where they draw it. But it does seem like there are times like, you know, where some people can't, you know, like if you got a boat that holds 10 people and you got 15 people need to put on it, like five people are going to die or you know, flood the boat and everyone dies. But those situations are, man, if you look back and review here, uh, uh, rearview mirror of history it seems like those those things don't happen as much as we like to think they do it's not you know it's it's not like the titanic situation every fucking day it, yeah. it's closer to this clarissa situation yeah it's it's the context here is interesting to me because you're talking to the daughter of one of the richest men in the entire solar system a, a girl who from birth has been pampered beyond mm-hmm. imagination for a guy like eric and mm-hmm. Eric himself has been shit on by life, um, you know, and he's made the best of what he can of that. But like, he was not born with these advantages. And like, I don't know. I, I, this is, this is the crazy thing about Claire. She's gone from that person who, you know, sees all those benefits as just like 
sort of taking them for granted, I think. Um, you know, she didn't mm-hmm. have her father's love, but God, all the other things she had. Um, to, to someone who, like, sort of appreciates, I guess, <laughs> you know, the, the idea that, oh, maybe maybe my father should have been contributing more to the people of Baltimore. You know, perhaps, yeah. perhaps he didn't need 15 space yachts and a house in the New Hampshire lake with another space yacht. Uh, right. And, and you know, research facilities on other planets and, and or on asteroids and the belt. Like, maybe he could have given up a little bit of that so that the people in Baltimore could have eaten uh, for another day, right. you know? Yeah. Like, I, that's the kind of shit where, like, maybe we should, you know, he, he might he might kick us off this podcast. I'm not sure, but maybe we should tax Jeff Bezos a little bit more so that the homeless <laughs> have a place to live. Maybe yeah. he doesn't need the 15th space yacht. Yeah, or like if to, when like when there is uh, so much want in the world, maybe there should be an upper limit to how much people. I don't know. Like I said, these are things we're figuring out. These are 21st century problems we have to figure out because you know right now all we got is the Earth and, and what we can divide up amongst ourselves for it. The problem I have is that that the sentiment here is like maybe giving them the chance, maybe not asking them to, you know, prove that they are valuable in the first place before we give them a chance. We'll give them actually the chance to prove to to, to not prove that they're valuable, but to to contribute something else that you never would have got out of them had you been hostile since day one. That a human has an inherent dignity and worth without them having to demonstrate that. Right. You know. Um, my, my problem is, like I said, is like the only reason to not help a person is if you physically can't like some kind mm-hmm. of Titanic situation, uh, the Clarissa is pulling all this shit in a literal Titanic situation, sure. you know, like this boat is sinking and also armed men in another boat are coming and shooting at you to take your boat. Like, yeah, it's yeah. these people don't belong in a tribe. They probably need to be. I, that's what I'm saying. But I, I don't know whether the, sh- the show I feel like just by showing that and the fact that I have an inter- that interpretation shows that like they're they're thinking about it. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. like I I think that, you know, Amos is crazy. Clarissa is acting crazy. Holden is like there in the middle, like, you know, uh, maybe. But but maybe I'm also a little uh, a little more psychopathic than <laughs> than than Clarissa. Maybe that's possible, too. Hmm. Um, anyway, uh there's a lot of this. I, I really like uh, Eric and, and Clarissa's talk. You know, there's, there's the one that's the funny one that we we already kind of talked about their like tribe of uh, they're, they're growing the tribe conversation. But the one where he's like, why does he call you peaches? She's like, I don't know. Why do you call him Timmy? Because that's his name. Should I ask about that? Probably not. I wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love that. Like, there's like probably so much mysterious backstory that they're just, you know, like, yeah, don't let, let, let a little bit, let, let a little bit of the mystery be without, with Amos for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, what did you think about the stunt work? Because that's like the majority of the episode. Um, like the, uh, they, they get him in a, a real pincher move here. They're getting, mm-hmm. they're taking fire from the front and the back. A superior force, superior position. They're that fight in this fighting retreat. It seems a little foolhardy uh, on Amos's part. If you know the you know that the guys with guns have been turned away, and you've said, "Hey, they're coming back," and you're just out here on a smoke break or whatever, right? Like you're just sitting out, no cover, no nothing, just hanging out, having conversations. You know, people are flirting outside. It, it's a little weird that they wouldn't be. You're, you are screaming at in. the horny the horny street toughs to like stop being horny street toughs and get up on the roof and keep a lookout. But, but yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, I don't know. I, I might want to keep everybody inside, take a break inside. Um, but 
I, I, there's a lot of like really cool stuff. I, I like the this pincher maneuver, uh, this flanking. I like um, sort of this running gun chase down the hall. It's really cool. Uh, Amos with the shotgun is sweet. Um, I have some some questions, maybe complaints, uh, questions bordering complaints uh, for later. But what do you think about it? I thought it was great. I, there's a couple points where I thought Amos got shot. And I'm like, okay. because he seems like he gets shot complaint. a lot. Yeah. But I think when in subsequent watches, what happened is a bullet hit the masonry right beside him. And that masonry like kind of like mm-hmm. shattered into his face, like but blinding then he stands and stunning out in the open him. and then goes like, like he's been shot five times. Doesn't he? Oh, I see. I thought he, somebody I thought, else. No, I, you know, someone else gets shot like five times, but he does go out in the open and staggers around. But I think it's because he's been blind and, you know, stunned okay. from that, like, you know, the thing. Because I, I, yeah, it was a little bit hard to see. And of course, you got to always remember these review copies. It's um, they're shitty. Yeah. Little, little, little shitty. And like when it's really dark, it's it, it can get a little bit muddy. But I thought, yeah, mm-hmm. like it's a big shot, like a mostly one take. Um you know, hmm. on this big sprawling set and like, you know, watch them kind of move undercover and hustle everybody along. And, and like I said, do this kind of fighting, execute this fighting retreat. Uh, I thought it was really well done. I even thought it was a smart idea to have, you know, Clarissa butcher those 12 dudes off camera because I yeah. think they're out of ways to make that look cool. You know, agreed. Um, I have questions around that, though, because every time we've seen Claire use her implant, she immediately drops to the floor, passed out cold. Um mm-hmm. She does kind of this this episode. She she drops down to the floor and then gets back up seemingly totally fine, gets into the pilot's chair, launches this ship and then just gently falls asleep as they're rocketing toward the moon. Like it doesn't it doesn't track with what we've seen before, um, the effects Mm. of this this implant. And I don't know if that's because she has different settings or something and she only needed like, I don't know, light light dose to murder 12 people um, delight I, I feel like that there's been a little bit of i'll give him a little bit of leeway because what she actually did is she got drug onto the ship and put in a crash couch and she had to push a couple buttons in and when and if she didn't she's going to die so she had adrenaline you know what little bit drips of adrenaline left in her system i don't know uh i did just have never big, seen her be coherent after that uh in the past yeah. but and to be fair it seems like she didn't have to do much but push a button hmm. um the other problem I had is when they, the ship takes off, it like vaporizes the estate. And I'm like, well, how the fuck can this? But I, what I realized is they probably have all kinds of like ways to shunt those fumes away. They but do, like, yeah. you got to wait for the fucking doors to open. And those and, things. And Eric like, is like, fuck this. I'm not waiting. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, slams yeah, yeah. the button. So, yeah. So it doesn't happen that way every single time they take no. off. It's like that happens. It's kind of like, you <laughs> but know, it could hey, also like disposable yeah, like, uh, launch pads and built as these palatial estates no problem i believe that with it feel like a, it vaporized a house too though is the uh-huh. problem and, and the butlers uh, yeah. all replaceable all replaceable <laughs> on like a day worth of cash from the Mao-Kowski there you go yeah it's like you know oh uh the the Mao estate is posting for more help wanted oh it happened now <laughs> oh, they did you know jean had to take off a little in, in a hurry so right. you know how that goes Guy got roasted skeleton. I did find it um, strange that when they were headed toward the ship, the guy that they decide to hand Claire Claire's limp body off to is Eric, who's having enough problems getting around. True, on his true. own. Yeah, he's let alone carrying around. her body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Weird, but yeah, everybody. They roast the house, it vaporizes all those private security contractors. Get fucked, rent the cops. Um, 
everybody kind of more or less passes out as the ship achieves orbit, uh, except for Amos. I think he climaxes. um, I feel like this this lighting and background is what they used on the poster for this season. You know, like Amos staring out at the hatch and seeing the sun coming over the wounded earth like that's like that's that's the poster shot right here. Um, I also we didn't talk a lot about it, but I really like Amos and this. uh, I don't know her name, but Eric's lieutenant, Uh you know, right hand woman, Um, like what they said about leaving Baltimore. And initially he was afraid till he found a place to fit in and him realizing you never. You, you never start from scratch because you never fully leave everything behind. You take parts of that and yeah. those things that made you successful in those environments. You just find your place that those skills plug into and you don't have to ever start from scratch. I thought that was a co- pretty cool way of looking at things. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if she did some standout work this episode. I wouldn't mind seeing seeing more of her. Um, I think I they know. patched I mean, her up. Oh, yeah. He, he I mean, I the, the seems like he, he was working on her. Yeah, he he stabilized her is what I got out of that situation. Okay. Really good zero G pantomiming too. Like, you know, him pushing her yeah. stomach down and her raising her arms out to make it look like she's floating. I thought that's they're pay, they're really sweating those details and I I really unironically appreciate it. I <laughs> it 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 makes me feel a lot better that you guys are uh continuing to work on those things and selling that stuff. Um but yeah, I think that's it. Uh we also have a final scene or I guess two final scenes. Marco visits Philip once more to emotionally provoke him this time with the knowledge that his mother's not only alive, but she saved herself just to abandon them again. Bullshit. Uh, Philip yeah. knows this is not true. And I think that's why he's thrashing around so angry is because he's still <laughs> in the web of Marco, but also knows yeah. that he's talking a bunch of bullshit here. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I haven't quite got a pin on what, Philip thinks and feels, um, you know, when he realizes he's backed the wrong horse, um, how, you know, cause the thing is, is like, once he makes that realization, then he's just a cold blooded killer of millions and millions. And that's a huge yeah. psychological incentive to not face the truth. Holy shit. If mm-hmm. I've ever heard one, um, you know, I, and, and I'm, <laughs> I was just thinking like, is there, is like the Ross and crew going to be just fucking bonkers? Are we going to have like Eric and Clarissa, and Eric's lieutenant and also Philip, like, are we are we going to double the crew of the Rossinanti next season? Because it kind of sort of feels like all these people's <laughs> arcs are kind of going to be on the Rossinanti. And uh, and you you look at like. What the Rossi crew looks like right now, right? And where we started this season where the Rossi's completely yeah, like abandoned and Holden doesn't know what the fuck to do with himself. And now he's got this crew of. I don't know a hundred. How many people are on the Rossi at this point? I think I, it's like it's like twenty. Like I is. I think I read that that's like a full crew, like twenty yeah. Martian sailors and like sixteen Marines. But the Marines, you know, they wouldn't have those. Yeah, Which, yeah, they, they, yeah. It, it it makes you wonder. Like, is is holding going to get used to that? Is he going to want more people? Like, is it Monica Bull? Like, oh yeah, you know, for, yeah. how many people are going to end up being on the Rossi at the end of the season? All good questions. Um. Philip, it feels like they're building to some sort of inevitable turning of the tables here, um, some sort of kicking in of his conscience. Yeah, I, 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 I won't like speculate on it, but I'm curious what, what you're thinking at this point about the the future. Like, how is this Marco thing going to resolve? Does does Philip step in? Does does Holden come and just you know the duel to the death between the two? Is there 
Well, what are you thinking? How are you feeling about that? Man, I do. If Sin was still alive, I'd say what I think was going to happen was, yes, Marco goes down either at Philip's hand or like some kind of uh, battle. And then Philip, an old, you know, older, wiser, and with the guidance of his mentor, Sin, is going to now lead this faction of the belt and, you know, get real, like surrender to the UN and get real belt. But I also think, because like, I, I do think it's a little silly to think that all these people are going to be on the Ross Nanti. I mean, I, maybe that'll work. It'll just, it'll, just, it'll just be Star Trek next season where you got to try to juggle, you know, Dr. Crusher and Troy and Worf and Data and Jordy and Picard and Riker and fucking, yeah, Wesley's still in there too. Ensign Rowe, sure, come on, you get a plot line. Like, like yeah. you just b- balance that or maybe some people just, you know, are just kind of like in the background. But also, maybe Philip dies. Uh, you know, like he takes out his father and that's like, you know, his penance for all the sins he's done. And he's kind of like an innocence, uh, the sacrifices himself, especially if he, if he did that, like some kind of like, uh, uh, what was, uh, what was, uh, Avis a spy guy, Cotez, Cotiar? No, either Cortazar or Cotiar. I can't Cor- remember which is well, one of them is the, the crazy protomolecule guy. Right. But like if he did some kind of like public on channel, like sacrifice to save like the inners, Man, that that seems like it'd be a a moment that you could, you know, uh, it reminds me of like uh, I was listening to Dan Carlin's um, Countdown to Armageddon, that that the first Christmas in the trenches where spontaneously mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve, all the troops from the German and the French and English side came out of their trenches and sang Christmas songs and gave each other gifts and stuff mm-hmm. uh, like that could have been the end of the war, probably. Instead, both sides viciously cut down and said there will be no more celebrating Christmas or peace on earth or goodwill towards any man in these in these trenches. So like but like some kind of moment that Philip could engineer and and some kind of sacrifice like there's not a lot of people that could do it. But Marco's own son. Um, So I know that's what I'm thinking. You going to tell me which one's right? No, of course not. (laughs) Of course not. Philip's going to become macho Peru. And that's the that's the that's the puzzle piece that all the fucking book readers have been waiting. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna shack up with Monica and they will be together them stacked on standing on each other's shoulders and a trench coat will be Macho Peru. Yes. Uh, crack the code. Good job. All right. Naomi, I, the whole episode, she's been working these bare wires and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I know what she's going to do, what she's going to do. She rigs up her helmet to see and uses her HUD to show her essentially the sensors from outside the ship. And it's a great performance because she simultaneously moved that her friends are coming to rescue her mm-hmm. and also gutted that they're going to die for their love and affection for her. And that's, that's, that's a great, that that's a hard thing to do. Pull those emotions and, and display them at the same time, but she does it. Yeah. Um, then uh, her despair gives way to inspiration as drops of water fall on her head and she grabs a tool and with firm resolve goes into the inner hull of the ship and starts banging on things. And so is, is this is this in the book? Because I'm I, you know, I kind of want to ask you what the hell's going on. But if you know, then fuck off. So here's the thing. It might be in the book, but I don't I legitimately <laughs> don't remember. Like everything after Naomi gets this message out until the resolution of all of this stuff, I. I. I think it happens the same way, but honestly, I couldn't tell you. So Hmm. what is she going to do? What is she going to do with water? Um, 
the only the only thing I can think of, I I don't know, like short circuit some shit, malfunction, short circuit some proximity shit, proximity sensors. Um, I, can she hook up water and squirt it outside a nozzle, like reroute it to some kind of um, like waste exhaust and 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 induce the ship to spin in some direction? But what does that get her if she spins the ship? It's still going to blow up in her friend's faces. Like, right. Can she take liquid and write on a window? Don't come, like I, 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 right. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I, the only thing I can think of is like, she can drink what she needs to. She's dying of thirst, but she that's does. not going to solve her immediate problem. Uh, the only thing I can think of is water also has a lot of mass and it can be a reaction mass. Mm-hmm. You can turn it to somehow turn it to steam, vent it to the outside of the ship, get it to do something that's not supposed to be to kind of show that it's, you know, I don't know. Like, is there a is there a universal spin you can put on a ship that implies distress? Like, stay away or <laughs> yeah, some belter sh- symbol like like yeah. they do with the hand gestures. Except yeah, ship gestures. like wait a second, this has got a quarter t- twist with the half half arc rotation. This is the standard belter. Stay but, away. I've but been you got two Martians on the ship that's approaching. Right, it's right. not going to help. So. Right, right. I don't know. I, I'm can really sh- at a loss. Can you shoot out water to spell like uh, SOS, you know, like like three long streams uh-huh. of water, three small. But then they, they already know she's in distress. Right. That's so why they're coming to I, save her. So I'm saying it's it's something she's she's banging on pipes and not in kind of a rhythm. It just feels like it's like the kind of rhythm you do if you're banging it as hard as you can. So she's trying to break, yeah, trying to shake off, involves, shake off some water, I assume, like larger yeah. quantities of it. So I don't know. I I guess I'll be a little disappointed if she just shorts out these tamper resistance things because like mm-hmm. if you can short out a tamper resistant seal and dis- deactivate it, it's a really bad tamper resistant seal. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode. I'm as puzzled as you are. Loud rhythmic banging. All right, we've got some feedback this week. Uh, it's all from five oh seven because 508 hasn't dropped yet as of the recording of of this episode 509 so you know it's going to be all stuff that's like not super plot relevant though it might give us like perspective and and questions that we had um maybe it can give us some answers yeah yeah things like that um if you would like to send in feedback to the show uh and actually this is a good time to do it because we're probably going to be watching episode 10 the finale live with everybody else so we'll have some time to actually consider relevant recent feedback uh send that into expanse at baldmove.com and we will pick it up for the finale yeah Uh, don't so so our expectation for the finale is that we'll have this out thursday night a couple of days after yeah the show airs um if we happen to get a screener in the last week, then we'll probably go ahead and record it, and then you'll know because it'll we'll, it'll drop at the exact same time, and we'll we'll explain the situation. But yeah. if if you if you come up on Tuesday night and expecting the podcast, it's not going to be there because at this point we don't have it and probably won't get it. They're re, they're holding mm-hmm. that finale because they don't want us knowing. They don't want anyone knowing. They don't trust us to know what's what Naomi's doing banging on them pipes. Yeah, we couldn't resist the spoilers. We'd we'd have to get it out there. <laughs> All right, we start off with Matt H., who says, During your episode discussion, you considered the question of whether Marco considered Tycho Station a target and whether he had interest in its destruction. The answer to both questions has to be absolutely yes, considering his plan and what would have happened had it played out. The code written into the Rossi to destroy it does so via reactor core malfunction, which creates an explosion of nuclear proportion. 
Mm. The Rossi's docked at Tycho Station, and it would have uh, blown in its dock with all of Tycho within the, the blast radius. Marco knew all of this, so Tycho being destroyed was part of the plot. Which, is that strange? If destroying Tycho Station is part of the plot, he also wanted to personally assassinate Fred Johnson? And he would have all of his compatriots and collaborators on Tycho Station at the time. Mm. Maybe it was to decapitate the leadership so they could effectuate the getaway. I mean, that's like always a good, uh, you know, to take out the decapitate the the leadership at the other side. And Mm -hmm. the plan was for all of his loyal people to get away on that thing. So, like, yeah, because I was thinking, well, wait a second. What about his people? Are they like really down and like a you know, fucking brotherhood Bane from Batman way of like, oh, I guess I have to die for the cause. Maybe. I mean, people pe- people roll off the assembly line like that or, or, or turn towards that, towards propaganda. But like, I didn't get that feel. But but he's at this person's absolutely right. We've seen how reactor breaches go in this show, and it is a fucking fu- fusion bomb. So, yeah. Um, and I would say, you know, if OK, maybe they need to assassinate uh, Fred personally because he might not be on the part of the station that would be super affected by the explosion. I I don't know exactly how big that explosion would be if it could destroy Tycho all is of Tycho Station, but yeah, think about uh, the, the Naboo, right? It was within like a dock at Tycho Station, wasn't it? Mm, like the space dock there? It was on the outside. It was like docked like, you know, like on one of those real long gantries away uh-huh. from the station, but the Rossi okay. is like on its outer ring too, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not like it's inside the hangar, or was it? No, it was inside getting refitted. It was inside getting. So it was inside the hangar. Yeah. I, I imagine if you put off a, a fusion bomb inside that hangar, it would take out most of the station, and what's left would probably not survive very long. Yeah. Um, so then, why assassinate Fred personally? Why walk up to him with a gun and blast him four, three, four times, whatever? Uh, Strange. Oh, to piss off the to, to ensure the Rasinanti comes after you, because you, you I suppose you know, you, so. The, yeah, you you want to like do something so heinous, like take the like really you know like get them so pissed off that they do like don't think about things, don't think it through, and just just go go and forward timing, and them. like to hasten timing. the the Plus launch it, of the Rossi. Taking out the commander of the station probably is not a bad idea if you're trying to like weaken its security and get away scot scot free, cause confusion. Um, if you're trying to steal Monica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're trying to steal Monica, For whatever reason, fuel. the proto Monica. <laughs> uh, Matt continues your discussion about what Naomi is doing, uh, going to do, was interesting. On one hand, what is she gonna do? But I saw it as another impossible choice she made just to get away from Marco. If she died, at least she didn't do it, having just watched her beloved ship and crew murdered. Uh, she wouldn't be killed by her enemy, likely being spaced into the wreckage of his victory. It would be on her own terms and on her own ship away from Marco. I also wonder if she will just be assumed dead. Uh, no, I think all that's like dry, a little bit of dry pie here. Um, yeah, I, that's the thing. The assumed dead is like I never that was clever. Good take because I didn't see it coming. Uh, so yeah. so congratulations to just having the obvious take of like a woman left a spaceship without a spacesuit on. Oh, boy, I guess she's going to die, you know? Yeah. Um, what was that, the first point before we got to the... It was just about, like, what's Naomi going to do here? She's going to be killed one way or another. Why not jump out of the ship? Is that... Oh, cause, so, yeah, like, that's different. Like, as people's... That's a different take than, like, someone killing themselves because they're too emotionally wrought to go on. Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of like, uh, if I'm interpreting their words correctly, they're suggesting this is kind of like uh, Naomi's ultimate walk away. 
Like she either walks away and gets on the ship and then lives to fight another day, or she no longer participates in Marco's sick scheme to kill her friends and then lord it over her and do and 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 force his son to throw his mother out of an airlock or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a meaningless. It's not like oh, I can't go on. It's more of like I'm denying you my utility in your your plan. So I, I like that. Yeah, it's not just a merely suicidal gesture either way. All right, then a totally different Matt. Not the same Matt. The other one had an H. This one has an A. Uh, hey guys, really enjoying the season. Enjoying the podcast along with it. I wanted to discuss the quote unquote sloppiness of Naomi's door access twice now this season. He's talking about when she is in mm-hmm. the airlock in the first place. Twice now this season, we have seen scenes of Marco and Holden granting door access to people on their respective ships. You mentioned the Holden scene in the episode commentary, and it really struck me how seemingly pointless the scene was, which meant it must be important. I firmly believe the show is telling us to not infer the negative, i.e. if Marco remembered to take her door access, they would have shown us. So instead of sloppiness, an artistic decision which may or may not resonate? I mean, it's still like if you're if you're Marco and you forget to restrict this person who has every reason to go and fuck with your ship. And already has. And, it, 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 and, and not with a plan. Like, it's not like he had her followed to make sure that, like, you know, as soon as she does, he can confront Philip with the evidence. Like, or maybe he did because Sin was watching her. Maybe that's the plan. Like, he wanted her to do something and prove, like, see, see, she's going to sabotage. But I don't know, man. Like, at, at that point, he had already had his, his, his uh, son slap his mother, say you're a traitor to the cause, and we're going to space you as soon as we execute your space boyfriend. It still feels like an oversight. Like if like if like if Monica tried to kill Bull with a hydro spanner and then he slaps her around and says, look, as soon as we blow up the Zamea, I'm going to throw you in a space shoot and lock you and then forgets to revoke her. Pat, you'd be like, Jim's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is a massive oversight. I feel like I'm still not backing away from. But Marco could be. The show might not be sloppy. They could just be suggesting that Marco's overconfident and sloppy, which I would believe. Yeah, you know? and, and trying to once and for all, you know, cement his his son's hatred of his mother. Because um, he does not like he does not like his son having sympathy with her at all. Not one little bit. That's one thing they've right. consistently shown that's driving him crazy that he's even giving his mother's side a shot. You know, that's scary to Marco. I, I just wish they would have made that a little clearer. In the episode, I still think it's sloppy, um, even if it makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah, uh, like, you know, if if if, if uh, you know, she walks away and, you know, uh, Philip turns to Marco and be like, you're just going to let her walk around after what she did to sin and all that. And he says, no, sin, keep an eye on her. I, I want I, I want you to shadow her and make sure like again, it feels like there's no no fatal problem. I, I, this is like the third time I've said this in the season. Like, man, it feels like there should be a five or ten second insert. To, mm-hmm. to, to not let us kind of twist in the wind and speculate, but um, we're not getting those a season. Uh, Jessica writes in and wants to talk about a detail she noticed, which uh, is kind of a, a hallmark of this show. Um, she says, I noticed something very cool in this episode. If I saw what I think I did, there are a few emotional occasions throughout the episode, all with Naomi in them where it appears that the characters are emotional to the point of tears uh, in the scene of Marco and Naomi speaking in her holding cell. Uh, as well as when Naomi's in Philip's room, it appears the actor's eyes well with tears, but those tears never fall, which happens because of zero G, right? This is indeed what the show, uh, what was happening in the show. It's incredibly cool detail to include. Yeah, they've done this a few times. If you 
remember back to I think season three with like Anna and uh, Victoria. Is that her name? The the, the love, the love, love. Yeah, the love, love, and also uh, when she was her friend. When she was dying, like impaled in the, uh, I feel like that the their eyes and you could kind of see the tears, the tear film sloshing around their eyes. Yeah, yeah, it, it goes all the way back to the sci-fi days of the Expanse, right? It's not something new that they're doing here, but right. it is very cool. I, I do think, though, I didn't see that affect this because I do think most of the times you see people crying this episode, they're under thrust, right? Which forces the um, tears down and out yeah, of their eyes. Yeah, that 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 provides an artificial gra- uh, type of gravity. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike in St. Louis says, uh, while you guys deliver as usual, I got to admit, I'm concerned about the show delivering in its final season and a third. Uh, last week's episode, Oh, you dang, was, in my opinion, good, not great. I'm with you guys when you say that they can't all be bangers and that the show needs slower episodes with character development to set up the big ones. But with an estimated 13-ish episodes left in Amazon's rendition of the show, I don't want to spend a lot of time on familial and interpersonal connections. Oh boy, mm. Mike. I'm not I'm not sure I can follow you down this path, but let's let's see the rest of the email here. Uh with the Mars Belter plot, a burning earth, no time spent on the ring gate or new planets, and the big arc of the protomolecules connection to two ancient civilizations, there's so much left to tell. I'm a lorehound like Aaron, so call me cynical, but with so little time left in Amazon's run, I can't help but feel we'll be dissatisfied with the conclusion of season six, much like uh, come on man game of thrones we won't be dissatisfied in that way they might not get to every detail but that was a uniquely bad uh ending to a great show and 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 i gotta say one of its big problems is it chiefly abandoned the character moments that were the hallmark of the show for just battles 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 plot 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 like yeah. the highest le- highest regarded episode of that final season is night of the realm, right. Or, uh, a night of the realm at the one where Jamie, um, knights Brienne, because it did mm, give people yeah. a chance to all of our old friends to go around and cement those relationships, remind us what the stakes are. Um, so yeah, I, but I, I feel, I feel the fan, like you want your, you want your show to stick to landing. Mm-hmm. And you already have a minor disappointment, which is this the third trilogy of trilogies is not going to be made, or at least there's no plans at this time. Um, so you're really gripped up and wanting this to be, you know, uh, end an amazing note. And and some of these shows like I, I honestly I'm a little like 10 percent worried because not that the show is going to be like a Game of Thrones style disaster. But where these just a couple of things like there's two or three things this season that kind of like bother me um, and that of, of like a little bit of shorthand, a little bit of. But but I every again, every great show I've ever watched has a few of these episodes. Um, sometimes they're just missteps. Sometimes they're just um, necessary to like make that emotional stakes land. But I think, like I said, I understand why you're gripped up, but I. I do feel like these people have built up a lot of credibility and and trust with me that I I don't think it's going to be a Game of Thrones style debacle where the entire fan base essentially turns against the show and wants no more of it. But um, it could I be. Yeah, I can't imagine. And, and again, without if, if you don't have the emotion, you know, uh, it, it, there's no reason for action to be happening. You know, there's no reason yeah. to care about the action. That's why, like, you know. I didn't like the uh, Nolan's latest movie, Tenet, 
because I had a protagonist that was doing things. I had no idea why yeah, he literally didn't have he a was name doing it for. No, in the he's movie. just a protagonist. Mm-hmm. And they, ga- they, they gave him like a personal relationship because I think they, they even even Nolan realized like if he's literally got no reason to do this. But like, why? Why does he, you know, it's like so. And then you, you put that in, kind you know, like um, Inception's a lot of the same movie. But, you know, I really cared about uh, Mal and his kids relationship and him getting mm-hmm. back and him grieving his wife and the guilt that he felt over that, like uh, memento, um, you know, this guy's, uh, uh, had not just his, his wife, you know, wife killed his entire life as identity stolen from him, his memory. And like trying to get that back with that condition, extremely gripping. Um, you and know, he, the stuff with, uh, I'm sorry, Mike ahead. in his email mentions Breaking Bad as an example of a, a ending that they stuck. And I think Breaking Bad's ending sticking uh, and landing is largely on the back of the emotional payload that that thing delivers. Like, you know, having Walt Jr. taken care of, right? Like do, doing some of the things he said he wanted to do when he set out on this journey, mm-hmm. um, I think is the emotional payload you needed at the ending of that to make it count. And in the meantime, you got to connect some emotional dots Look, if 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 we can get as much action as we've had in the past couple of episodes here, because you do get a lot of Rossi porn, right? Like spaceship combat stuff going on um, between the Zemea and the the Rossi. Like I, that stuff is cool. I don't I don't know why I, I don't feel like the balance is off here. Mm-mm. Especially since like, and we got this nice long action scene in this episode too. I thought was pretty satisfying. Um, yeah, I, like I said, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not over. I'm you know uh, I'm not concerned. Like ten percent worry is like my average kind of worry going into any show that I love because you know it's it's always possible to fuck it up. But I just I just can't. Yeah, the pieces are all the pieces are all here. Um, you know, and and having these connections built and this the uh, like the the stakes because if Marco's just a terrorist, it's throwing rocks at Earth. He's kind of just like, you know, this this faceless goon. He's just a he's just a cartoonishly evil guy. His connection to Naomi mm-hmm. and the battle for their son's soul is what connects you to it, is what makes you care about, you know, this this action. So we need definitely we needed that or 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 he's just like, why not use Anderson Dawes? Like, why introduce this new mustache and just purely mustache twirling villain that we never have any insight into his crew or his personality or what drives him or his history? It's inherently more fascinating by getting this information. And also, it's a lot sweeter to see Naomi driving him this crazy uh, because it's the one thing he can't control in his whole life. Like it, her victories yeah. over him feel so much sweeter than just a fleet action. You know, like how emotionally would you rather have given up the Naomi scenes for uh, being able to see these five golden bow ships get torn up by two U.N. cruisers and a Martian frigate and those, you know, those people dying that you had. You know what I mean? Like they could do that, but I think the show would be lesser for it. Yeah, I certainly do. I I think like, you know, reasonable people can disagree. I think there are a lot of people who want to see more space battles who want to see a bunch of cool shit cool sci-fi shit happening and i'm with you i want to see that too mm. but i don't want to necessarily shortchange the emotional side of it just to get to yeah. that stuff and, and um, i'm comparing this fifth season with like season six and seven of game of thrones like there was 10 times more problems that we were all looking past like things got uncharacteristically sloppy and stupid like it wasn't just like a minor like 
Uh, just does this floor get great really going to be unsecured? It's more of like, dude ran from like the wall at King's Landing in three minutes. What the fuck happened going on here? You know, Danny forgot about this guy having a hundred fucking ships with crossbows that can kill her dragon. Like just stupid shit. Like if yeah. Holden just like next episode takes a Rasanathi right into the teeth of this fleet and gets them all killed. Like that's the kind of lapses that we're talking about. And we're just not seeing you know, these as many and as big of logical lapses in this final, this penultimate season, in my opinion. I will say, Mike, I'm with you because I've, I've, you say you're not a book reader, so you don't know where this is going. I have read through book six, which I assume is where they're going to leave off um, season six of the show. Mm -hmm. And I'm still up in the air about a lot of things. There are a lot of questions I have, particularly important questions too. Hmm. Um, that the show may or may not have dealt with already. Uh, the the proto molecule being one of them. How how wise of a decision is it to? You know, I, I'm taking for granted that it was a decision that they made to sort of put some, you know, confusion around whether or not the proto molecule is in fact destroyed. It seems like the show is leaving a door open here, but maybe they're not mm. intentionally doing that. Maybe they're trying in every way they can to say no. Look at this explosion. It definitely destroyed the proto molecule. There was no way they could have dropped it off in the meantime. It's gone. Maybe they're trying to say that, and I'm just not picking it up because that's what I'm getting. From I want to believe or something, but like, I'm not certain. I think there's still doubt as to whether or not somehow huh. the Zemea. But what? But evidence? maybe I'm only I'm only doubting it because like a lot of people are emailing in with their doubts, and I'm like, okay, leave that door oh. open. But okay. Shall we consider and, one for perhaps? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of what he's talking about here. You know, the proto molecules um, connection to the two ancient civilizations. Like if their sample of the proto molecule is gone. I guess they'd have to go through like a ring gate to to see any more of it, right? Or like, if, yeah, we haven't seen any proto molecule in its raw form like these they, like yeah. the machines themselves are not proto molecule. You no. know, those like they don't have protomolecule coursing through them. Um, so, yeah, I don't like I said, Marco see, sure seems to act and believe like he doesn't have the protomolecule anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's why I keep going back to like, why would he be keeping up this farce of like, oh, my God, you fucking you destroyed. You, we got the, the Zemea destroyed. And we weren't able to get the you know, like why? But then again, they got the scientists. I don't know. Maybe he's got. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I just feel like the show like pocketed some. Yeah, I would I would be weirded out if the show brought it back, but I also don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not a book reader, so all that's wildly interesting. I would say, for yeah. Me. Uh, okay, and let's let's go to the last one here. Uh, John H says in the last podcast you suggested that Naomi is pregnant in her secret message. Uh, don't whoa, forget. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I said that's a possibility. I did not suggest. It's sure, yeah, sure. It's, um, yeah, okay. That's another door left open. Uh, don't forget, Holden's original lover on the Canterbury may have been pregnant when she was killed with the can. Oh, damn. Uh, the writers would have to be very cruel to hit Holden with a dead pregnant lover twice. Double ghost wounds. How do you recover <laughs> yeah. from that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Maybe you don't. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Um, there hasn't really been much of any mention of that possibility since. So, yeah, and I, I think that, like I said, I 
that was just something I'd throw out there because yeah. they have left it an intentional mystery. You know, mm-hmm. we saw that she sent, sent it. We saw that he received it. He, I think, went to open his mouth to talk about it. And then it was interrupted immediately by the chase of the Zemea or he's he's refused to let us know what it, it is. So, like, I, you know. But but I think the show's also consistently said that Holden can't have kids because of his heavy dose of gamma radiation he, he got on Eros. So, yeah, his constant cancer medicine he has to take for the rest of his life to keep tumors from growing on his testicles. Yeah, but uh, I also wouldn't put it past the uh, Corys to be especially cruel. Uh, that, that seems like something they could dip into. Punish Holden. Yeah, <laughs> for his insolence, I don't know, his naivete. For his, for his, paladin, for his paladin bullshit, mm-hmm. annoying the party. All right, uh, that's it. That's it for the episode. All right. Uh, send us that feedback in for the, the final episode. I'm not... Uh, I. I I, you want to commit to doing a wrap up? I kind of do. Like, yeah, if you've got going to be have a lot of questions going into season six, I imagine people have a lot. So like the final episode will not be our final podcast. It will have a the next week. We'll have like a little roundup for feedback. Uh, and that's going to be a lot of your guys' uh, show. So send in feedback for the finale episode and for our wrap up podcast. Expanse at baldmove.com. We'll consider it. Um and yeah, we're really looking forward to. I'm really looking. It's gonna. It's a long wait. I don't have to wait for two weeks for it. Yeah. Um. But uh, we'll we'll get it. And again, final reminder: our podcast will probably be at Thursday, the following Thursday after the Tuesday that it's traditionally released. Uh, to give us time to actually watch it a couple times and and get a good podcast together for it. Um. And I hope you join us then. Uh. Until then, we'll see you on the next time. And I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. <laughs>